0: If there weren't ebbs and flows, it wouldn't be a red wave. It's high noon for Thursday, January seventh, twenty twenty one. Follow the podcast on Parlor and Rumble at I'm Your Moderator. Join the info stream on the Telegram Messenger app, t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. If you want to join the discussion thread, it's t.me slash be reasonable discussion. All right. So ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. Remember how we all felt on November 7th, 2020, when the media announced to us that Joe Biden was the winner and people celebrated and took out their little bottles of champagne and, I don't know, popped those little things that people pop on New Year's. They probably had some of those left over. They're not very good at celebrating, honestly. But it turned out that that narrative was not true at the time. And they went through the 8th and the 14th as defined by the Electoral College procedures. And turned out the narrative wasn't correct there either. And yesterday was another piece of that narrative. Now, what I'm not saying is that the events taking place are not real. Okay? And what I want to talk about first today is event versus narrative. And here's what I mean. So I don't know if any of you guys were taught this in high school or maybe college or maybe you took journalism, but in God, I think this was maybe like middle school, uh, English classes where they're teaching you how to write essays, for instance, maybe it was earlier. I don't know, but they talk about who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay. And who, what, when, and where all describe event. Why is narrative. Okay. So anything that happens in the world you could simply describe what happened which includes perspective by the way. Who was involved where it was when it was. So Stripping out the why of the whole thing, stripping away the narrative. Let's go through what happened yesterday. Trump was supposed to talk at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. He came out and spoke at noon Eastern Time. He spoke for about an hour And while he did so, Mike Pence released his letter about how he couldn't exercise the individual authority to be able to extend for 10 days the, let's call it verification of the election, because in. The central narrative, the election is already decided. There is no actual need for verification of the votes, etc. So Mike Pence released his letter. Then Trump's speech finished and people walked over to the Capitol, Capitol building, as the session, the joint session between the Congress and the Senate the House of Representatives in the Senate. They began the opening ceremonies of their little thing, and they went down the states, right? When Arizona was called, there was an objection made in writing. A senator signed it. And so they split to the House and the Senate to debate. And this went on for maybe 20 or 25 minutes, I think, out of the allotted two hours, which were meant to be given for every state that objected, okay? The first of those speeches about Arizona that began to lay out evidence, which would lead people to believe that, in fact, the election, as we know, was illegitimate, The proceeding stopped. The people in the chamber were warned that they might have to get under their chairs. Because the Capitol building was being stormed by Trump protesters. Now, again, I understand that that's not a hard and fast. Recap of events, because. Some of you are certainly thinking, wait, that wasn't only Trump protesters and they didn't storm. They were let in down with all that. We're going to talk about that. So. They evacuated the Capitol building for a few hours, and then once it got later in the day. Actually, before that, even Trump released a statement online, a video recording asking people to go home peacefully. He said, yes, the election was stolen, but there's no cause for violence. Violence isn't helpful. Go home peacefully. Now, the social media companies immediately reacted to that by making it impossible to share that video. Leaving aside the why for now. That's what happened. And then... The House and Senate resumed the joint session later on. People made very serious speeches. And then they began the proceedings once again. And there wasn't another objection requiring debate until they reached Pennsylvania now. So they went through those objections, voted them down and then proceeded to the end and then did their whole certification that Joe Biden is now the president-elect, okay? They've been calling him the president-elect since November 7th. He was not the president-elect then. They said it on December 8th. It wasn't true then. They said it on the 14th. It wasn't true then. Events right now, dictate that the process has in fact made Joe Biden president elect now. Okay. But that's not the end of events. Those are the events. Okay. Everything else aside, those are the events. Now let's start breaking down some of these events a little further. It is odd to say the least that things were shut down Immediately as evidence began to come out. Okay. The narrative we were told yesterday. And by the way, this narrative was not just the media. It was repeated by the tech companies. And many of the members of the House and Senate in the House, those members were on the Democrat side in the Senate. They were on both sides. The narrative was that what happened was a, quote, dark day in American history. A lot of them said that. So we are meant to believe that they believe that what happened yesterday was truly horrifying. And part of it was, the part that was, was a police officer shooting a woman and killing her at close range inside the Capitol building. There has not been much outrage about the police use of force, shockingly. Congressmen and senators didn't look particularly threatened last night, although they claimed that it was very horrifying. But what part of it was horrifying? That's what I'd like to know. I can understand why the people around the lady who got shot we're horrified because that's actually horrifying. And what happened to that lady is truly awful and truly sad. She was an unarmed 14 year U.S. military veteran. But let's move beyond that because we do, in fact, have video of a lot of what happened outside the Capitol and inside the what happened outside the Capitol was that the Capitol police literally removed the barriers and opened them so that people could walk in. You can see the guy filming on his phone, waving the rest of them in. As the police back up and separate. You can see these this group of people walking Slowly into the Capitol building, taking pictures, okay? Then there's video of a police officer doing the absolute minimum, (laughs) to say the least, to stop any of these people from going further into the building. He told them sternly at one doorway, hey, back up, back up. And then rather than him waiting to be pushed or overwhelmed, he simply retreated, said back up again. Then before they even got to him, he retreated further up the stairs and then radioed second floor, second floor. Very dramatic. But there was... If there was any resistance from this officer to this crowd. I couldn't see it. I don't think anyone else could see it either. So what part of all that, besides the breaking of the windows, which, by the way, Trump supporters were trying to stop. We have video of that, too. And I said yesterday, I don't believe for a second. It was a Trump supporter taking down the American flag and putting up a Trump flag. That's not what this movement's about. So what we have is a narrative that the Capitol was stormed, that this was a dark day, that this was a terrorist act, and that this is a coup spurred on by Donald Trump. But none of that narrative actually matches the events that we witnessed that people on the ground witnessed and that we have video of. And I know plenty of people on the ground. Also keep in mind that crowd did disperse and go home relatively without incident. When Trump asked them to. That matters, okay? Okay. The people down there, the vast, overwhelming majority of them were not there looking for mayhem. They were there to make their voices heard and to stand up for Donald Trump. That is not scary. And if it's sort of scary because you're very afraid of Trump supporters, that's on you. And if you're going to claim that after not speaking up and not paying attention to the rioting throughout last year, the entire summer, over four months just in Portland, autonomous zones in American cities called the summer of love by Seattle's mayor, Jenny Durkin. If you weren't speaking up against any of that stuff, then you have no business talking about yesterday whatsoever. Do the commies still talk about it? They sure do. Now, I do want to address one thing, because one of my redeemable commie friends hit me with the article about how uh, Spirit Hood Viking guy is actually... Not Antifa, even though he was at that rally. He instead is a Trump supporter and QAnon follower. Maybe, maybe again, as soon as I stopped recording the thing that I was trying to analyze in real time as the situation was developing, as soon as I was done, I was getting hit with posts about that. Fine. There is no information right now that's 100% accurate. I am doing my best, but please do not take my words as hard and fast, indisputable truth. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. Now, did I get it wrong? I still don't know. Because then there were also reports that through uh, facial identification, technology, they were able to identify that some of these people were, in fact, Antifa. Am I sure that's true? No, I'm not sure that's true either. That's how this works. It is all confusing. We know what's not true. What's not true is on is what's on CNN. Yesterday, they ran a Chiron saying that Donald Trump was speaking In a last ditch attempt at a desperate coup, desperate coup. Calling out a fraudulent election at a speech is a desperate coup. That's madness. And if that's true, then Stacey Abrams should be locked up right now because she still hasn't conceded her loss from two years ago. She should also be locked up for other reasons, but it's not the time for that. So I don't know what that guy's deal is. No one does. There are rumors the guy was an undercover soldier who was at the rallies in the, or the uh, the protests and riots in the summer and then was there yesterday. He made himself easily identifiable and they took staged photographs in there. So if that was a storming, where was all the resistance to the storming by the Capitol police who got no shortage of compliments from the senators and representatives yesterday? Are we to believe That Muriel Bowser made it hard for Trump supporters to even get in the city. She had people canceling their Airbnbs. I mean, the owners were canceling people's reservations. They were shutting down transportation options. Making it so that there were no porta potties anywhere for people to use. They made it as difficult as possible. For people to exercise their first. Amendment right of peaceable assembly. Okay, They literally had police forces outside of hotels making sure that the Trump supporters staying in hotels couldn't leave last night. But they didn't have enough forces prepared to protect the U.S. Capitol building. How's that? I don't know the answer. I don't know why it happened. I know that it did happen. But as far as the chain of events goes, everything that happened after the debate was shut down was played out as a response to this storming of the Capitol that ended after not very long With minimal violence, relatively speaking. And by the way, guys, I don't ever want violence ever. Always, always last resort. I don't even get in fights like that's not who I am. I am not a proponent of violence anywhere ever. Also not a proponent of war, unlike. The collection of people. Involved with the theft of this election against the most anti-war president in our lifetimes. Of course, that's not violence, though, because that's very justified. Just like last summer, when the violence actually cured racism and it cured it so well that Nike had no problem making commercials about the violence. But what has been The number one motivation for the anti-Trump contingent since November 3rd, convince people that nothing was wrong with the election. That's it. Number one priority. Delegitimize Trump, convince people that there was nothing wrong with the election. That is a lie. Okay? Okay. We know what was wrong with the election, a million things. And there were senators and congressmen there yesterday standing up and agreeing with that statement because that statement is unequivocally true. The number of problems with the election is uncountable. And none of that is to even mention what's going on in Italy right now, which is a developing story. But the long and short of that story is a massive operation to steal this election coordinated by Barack Obama and Italian counterparts. You can think it's a conspiracy. You can think it's a joke. Guess we'll see. Number one priority convince the people there was nothing wrong with the election. How do you do that? Well, you make sure that they are unable to hear what was wrong with the election on any wide scale. The media went totally silent about it. They denied every last instance Everything that entered the central narrative about election fraud was summarily dismissed without investigation. Is it because they sincerely think that these things aren't problems? Of course not. If that was the case, then they would have taken the time to explain why they weren't problems. But they are problems, and nothing the media can possibly say can change that. So what they effectively did yesterday, Was end the debate while people were watching. Wait until it got to be eh, dinner time on the East Coast. And then they played the process out. Actually, no, they didn't go back in until 5 p.m. here. So 8 p.m. on the East Coast. And all of that progressed late into the night before its conclusion. Just like Election Day. leave everyone uncertain and so they can wake up to the news and not understand the process, not witness the debates, none of it. Mission accomplished. They made sure that at in the formal venue where the public has the right to hear their representatives voice their dissent, they made that impossible to amazing, isn't it? That was the opportunity for the public to hear the legitimate dissent. And the public was prevented from doing that. That is not what happens in a free and open society that is governed by law. There's also nothing about that process that even pretends to care about societal unity. Watching all these members call for unity and healing is a fucking joke. Especially when it comes from the Republican side. Guys like Ben Sass. Pathetic. This is absolutely pathetic. If you get the chance, though, watch uh, Matt Gaetz's uh, speech, and Madison Cawthorn got a couple minutes to speak too, and that was great. And there were some others too, but uh, those ones stood out. Mo Brooks's was excellent, actually. You should watch that one too. Um, but the queen of patheticness was Kelly Leffler, who pretended that she would fight for Donald Trump at the rally on Monday night where she was supposedly campaigning for her herself. If she's not just a plant, then she is the one of the worst politicians ever. And I don't mean worse, like most immoral. I mean, worst, like really, really genuinely bad at politics. And here's the thing. When she gave her speech, she said that in the morning she had planned to object just like she said, but she can't in good conscience object after seeing what horrifying display took place. And that's what I mean about narrative. You see, the events didn't change. The timeline of events didn't change. Nothing about the principle of standing up against a fraudulent election changed because some people got to walk around the U.S. Capitol building and a police officer shot a woman. That's not license to switch principles. And it's shameful watching Those senators bow out. They took the free ride by saying, hey, we're going to give it 10 days. We want this 10 day delay. And then because of those events yesterday, that goes out the window. I don't know what oath to the Constitution they are pretending to support, but it's not the one that they swore to. Because that didn't change in a few hours that they weren't in the Capitol. So one thing we know for certain is that when they say they change their minds because of events, that is a lie. That is just a malicious, cowardly, reprehensible lie. It is a cover. It's imagining a moral reason for your lie and trying to convince people that it isn't just about your own weak, pathetic personal character and you didn't make a deal even though somehow the whole New York Stock Exchange thing and her husband and whatever. And that she wasn't just a swamp creature the entire time. This is the person who was being investigated for insider trading because of the deals she made in anticipation of market reactions to COVID. Remember who we're dealing with here. And yes, of course, Trump went and said nice words about her on Monday. What was he going to do? Again, I said, what? Uh, Tuesday, probably. It must have been Tuesday, I guess. that that rally was ostensibly for Leffler and Purdue, but it was more to address the nation about election fraud and to create momentum for yesterday. So when we look at the senators, who changed their minds, were they responding to events or were they responding to narrative? They were responding to narrative. And that narrative was set up so they could respond that way. Am I implying a conspiracy? Not something crazy. I'm just saying that the media is doing what they have been doing for the entire time. They're figuring out how to take events and then communicate them in a way that makes Trump look bad. And by the way, I mean, that was something I noticed, you know, with COVID and have been talking about ever since. It was clearly true yesterday, but it should be lost on no one that Mike Pence ran the COVID task force. Now, unless something truly shocking happens and Mike Pence's role in all of this is somehow changed. Mike Pence looks like a goddamn traitor. What happened last night was treason. It is fine to say that last night was the end of the. Uh, statutorily advised process. Okay. Which under other circumstances is a legitimate process. And that process is what gives legitimacy to the president. I don't disagree with any of that. I'm not even complaining about the process, but a legitimate process followed illegitimately or not followed at all does not produce a legitimate outcome. You can't and this is what exactly what they're doing, they are relying on our faith in the legitimacy of the process as told to us. But the process wasn't followed because the process wasn't followed even before the election and certainly not since. The process was made illegitimate at countless stages. So to imagine that the process completing an otherwise legitimate process completing in such an illegitimate way, that doesn't make the result legitimate. There is no outcome here where Joe Biden will ever be legitimately viewed as the president of the United States. If somehow he usurps his way all the way to inauguration and gets in, he is an illegitimate president and not the fake kind like Donald Trump and Russian collusion, the real kind the kind who simply wasn't voted for. That's a problem. That problem isn't going away. People didn't just flip their belief after seeing Mike Pence hit a table with a wooden hammer and take a little gift in the palm from somebody and then kind of elbow bump Nancy Pelosi, like, hey, pal, looks like we got it all done. Because that all happened. I guess this one's going to go a little long today. So you'll have to forgive me. Take it as me making up for yesterday. I didn't like yesterday's episode. Some people said they did. That's cool. But uh, I don't mean to make things so short and disjointed. And it's not my preferred way of doing things to try to analyze events in real time as they're unfolding for the exact reason that I stated earlier. I don't, I, I want enough space from the event so that I have time to process it and see how it unfolds because the first look, especially in this day and age is almost never correct. If the news is telling you what's happening live, they're framing something and it's almost certainly going to be wrong. And then they're going to prevent anyone from disputing the narrative, which is what social media is now doing. They have shut down the president, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter and Snapchat. I believe he's been taken down on all of those. Now, whether or not that's permanent remains to be seen. They're all saying indefinitely. Maybe Twitter is still there, but you can't interact with any of his posts, even the video where he's calling for peace, because, of course, they don't want anybody to know that. And so if you can't retweet it, how's anyone going to see it? They would have to go follow Donald Trump. What they are doing is so destructive to society. And it is so harmful to the people that are not on that side. The most powerful companies in the world right now, are shutting down the political speech of American citizens. And they are shutting down the political speech of the president of the United States of America. That's a fact. That is an indisputable fact. Have whatever opinion you want about that fact. If you're a commie, you think, oh, great. (laughs) Look how much trouble he caused. But it's still a fact that that's what they're doing. That is some of the most dystopian bullshit imaginable. I don't know why we still have to pretend like the Trump side is the dangerous racist side like this is full on communist takeover. And again, their goal was always to do it without firing a bullet. They're still on that. And if you want to know how dystopia sounds and looks, look at Mark Zuckerberg's face and then check out. His statement about taking Trump's account down. The shocking events of the last 24 hours clearly demonstrate that President Donald Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor, Joe Biden. Okay, first off, way too many words. There is nothing about some people walking around the Capitol. that clearly demonstrates that Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine any transition. Now, elected successor is an awfully weird way of stating that. Second paragraph, his decision to use his platform to condone rather than condemn the actions of his supporters at the Capitol building has rightly disturbed people in the U.S. and around the world. We removed these statements yesterday because we judge that their effect and likely their intent would be to provoke further violence. Now, we know that's simply not what happened. Donald Trump did not at any point condone anything violent, not at all. He specifically asked for people to go home peacefully and the big tech companies made it difficult for him to get that message out. So what Mark Zuckerberg is saying here is just an outright falsehood. Continuing, following the certification of the election results by Congress, the priority for the whole country must now be to ensure that the remaining 13 days and the days after inauguration pass peacefully. And in accordance with established democratic norms. Now, Mark Zuckerberg is not the person who declares for the entire country what the priority must be. First off, literally has no say in that whatsoever, except for the say that he creates and forces upon people through censorship and surveillance. It should be lost on no one that Mark Zuckerberg spent over half a billion dollars of his own money changing how elections work so that he could guarantee himself the result he wanted. And if you don't understand that in full, I encourage you to watch Phil Klein's uh, speech about it, his press conference that he gave, where he lays out the case against Facebook. It is damning. It is real. Continuing with the post over the last several years, we've allowed President Trump to use our platform consistent with our own rules at times removing content or labeling his posts when they violate our policies. We did this because we believe that the public has the right to the broadest possible access to political speech, even controversial speech. But the current context is now fundamentally different involving the use of our platform to incite violent insurrection against a democratically elected government. Now, That entire paragraph could make my head explode. Every bit of this is a lie. They removed and labeled his content whenever they wanted. The rules didn't matter. Let's be serious here. We did this because we believe the public has the right to the broadest possible access to political speech, even controversial speech. That, again, is an outright lie. That is Bizarro World, like bananas, dystopian bullshit. Orwell wouldn't be able to write something that legitimately insane. The tech platforms have done nothing but limit broadest possible access to political speech and especially controversial speech. They have also declared that they're going to take down all pictures from the protest and the incident at the Capitol yesterday. Now, why would they do that? All pictures and videos of that. Well, clearly they don't want us spreading the videos of, for instance, the Capitol police allowing all these people to walk right in. They don't want that. If yesterday was a violent storming of the Capitol, how did it end so quickly? Why did everyone go home? Four months in Portland. Portland. Antifa and Black Lives Matter attacked a federal building. How many times did the people protecting that building take out their guns and shoot at Antifa and the stupid moms with the yellow shirts that fell to internal bickering in two days? Shocker. There is nothing about any of that that says Big Tech has any concern about providing a forum for political speech. They are providing a forum for one side of political speech, which is the same as not providing a forum at all. And some new updates flying off the wire. The New York Post is reporting that it is confirmed that Antifa members were among the Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol building yesterday, stormed. But there's another interesting report out there. The Epic Times is reporting that Jeff Merkley, senator from the Socialist Republic of Oregon, had his computer stolen in the event. There are also reports of other computers being stolen, one of them being Nancy Pelosi's. Now, who has them? That's a real interesting question, isn't it? That would kind of put a different spin on events. And it's particularly interesting that despite the quote unquote result of last night. Very concerned congressmen and senators are suggesting the 25th Amendment, and suggesting impeachment. So Adam Kinzinger, who's like this cuck Republican who is trying to catch the anti-Trump wave at the last possible moment, he suggested the 25th Amendment because yesterday, of course, was so scary. And following up on that, Chuck Schumer said, well, we have to institute the 25th Amendment Or impeach the president. And that's like if you're in a dispute with Mike Tyson and telling Mike Tyson that you're going to cancel him and him being like, really? And then you uh, tell him you're going to knock him out. Mike would just be laughing. It would be like, hey, man, why don't you just say you're not going to do anything and you're really scared? You don't make a hard threat. And follow it with an impossible threat. You're telling me that they're going to impeach and convict and remove Donald Trump from office in the next 13 days. Really? Really? Trump supporters aren't out there rioting until they get their way. What is it they think Donald Trump is going to do in the next 13 days? He's going to say more things. That make commies mad and sad. They're so scared of his words They don't have to see his words anymore because all their little spaces are protected. We made the internet into a safe space. Worship us, liberals. Hello, commies, we're gonna present you everything exactly the way you want to see it forever. You'll never have to have the mads or the sads ever again. We did it for you. We silenced all the people who disagree with you for you. Worship us, honor us. We are your God now. So where do we go from here? Now, I would obviously be remiss not to talk. About Trump's statement about all this. So here it is. Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. Trump said in a statement posted to Twitter by a social media director, Trump's account had been locked by the company for posting messages that appeared to justify The assault on the seat of the nation's democracy. Very serious. Here's the other half. Trump added, while this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again. Oh, my God. I just realized reading this that this news source straight up clipped out part of his statement. And here it is. I'll read out the whole thing, but my goodness, how dystopian to leave out the part they left out. Here's the whole statement. Even though I totally disagree with the outcomes of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. I have always said we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted. While this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight. To make America great again. A lot of people are taking this as some sort of concession. Now. It makes sense to view it that way. Under normal circumstances, that would be exactly what it is. These are not normal circumstances. What he said was there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. He didn't say anything else about that. And we know he usually writes these things fairly carefully. Am I saying that it definitely has a second meaning? No, it's too early to know that we'll see what we see when we see it. But this is not him saying, hey, I give up Joe Biden's president now. He has said we will never give up. We will never concede. We will never surrender. I believe that to be true. Again, if somehow Joe Biden usurps his way into being inaugurated, this still isn't the end of the fight. Let's say, for instance, that this statement represents what will happen and Joe Biden will be our president and Trump's just going to give it the old college try on building a movement, on maintaining the movement on primary and candidates and getting them out of office. That doesn't change the reality we know exists. The reality we know exists was that the election was not legitimately held. Period. Do we have to suck it up and go on with our lives and try to keep the movement moving forward? Yes. Yes. Do we have to pretend that the election was legitimate? No, we don't. We don't have to pretend that. And the evidence will always be on our side. And the people arguing with that evidence will never have any of their own evidence to present. It is odd. In fact, it's not odd because these people are so stupid and so hypocritical. But it's amazing and it's it's really stunning. That the same people who claim that there is all this legal injustice in the United States, that the legal system, the, the judicial system, it's all systemically racist. Until right now, until right now, where all these systems work perfect, even if they are being used to oppress opposition, which is exactly what has happened. We do not need to pretend that this use of force, this bowling over of the Constitution and the Republic and what that's meant to represent, we do not have to pretend this is legitimate. Now, are there other paths forward? Yes, there are. There may be. Georgia is still planning to contest the certification of their own electors within Georgia. They're going to go back on Monday, and that's what they're going to address. There are still open court cases right now that have not been decided. The country still has not seen any of the evidence of this unless you have better information sources than the central narrative. And that's a goddamn shame. And that can't go unanswered. Regardless of how the systems of power end up aligned. The facts need to be borne out and they need to be spread and it needs to become common knowledge. What has happened here? And I believe it will be. We're over 50%. A lot of people had a tough morning ebbs and flows. No one likes seeing all of this negativity directed toward Donald Trump, but these people are hateful. They took all of the hate inside them and projected it onto an avatar. Donald Trump, every single thing they hate is Donald Trump. Does that make any sense? Is their hate restricted to only Donald Trump? Of course not. Their hate is for everyone who is not like them. And that includes races. Yeah, you can be black if you're exactly like them. You can be black if you help enhance their self-image. But if you're black and don't do any of those things, they will never know you and they will never actually care because their idea of caring is giving them table scraps, giving real people table scraps. Hey, here's $600. Hope that lasts you eight months. Hey, I know your kids can't go to school and now they have no future, but hey, We didn't want anybody getting the flu. Man, fuck these people and their moral hypocrisy. It is unimaginable. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about this information stream thing, and I'm going to develop this idea out over the coming weeks because I think it's an important one. And I was uh, having a friendly debate with a very smart friend of mine um, over text this morning about this. Um, you know, you guys know that I have always said from the very beginning, or maybe you don't because some people have only been listening to the podcast for a short time, but I've always said Q is one of three things. It is either a psyop totally possible. It is a, I believe, genius storyteller in his basement. Possible, possible, or it's real. Okay? And by the way, even if it's real and it is as it purports to be, that could also still be a psyop. And it could be a good psyop fighting a bad psyop. We know that the mainstream media is a psyop. Okay? So, but let's take that off the table. I don't care about what the reality of Q is. It is information among other information. That's why I don't play the source game anymore. It is good to look at what the source is to know how much you can trust it, of course. But the New York Times saying something doesn't make it more legitimate than the Epic Times saying something, or even the Gateway Pundit. And I don't think the Gateway Pundit is particularly reliable. I think a lot of the time they see what somebody tweeted, and then write 500 words about it and sell ads off it, okay? I'm not fucking out of my mind here, but the information comes from where it comes from. If the Gateway Pundit nails it one time, congrats to the Gateway Pundit. Am I saying the Gateway Pundit is a reliable source? Eh, moderately? There is no fully reliable source, all right? put all the information on the same playing field and then see what matches reality. That's the point. Now, my friend's point was well taken and it's a well-constructed point. He, and I hope I'm stating his argument right, I will definitely hear that I'm not in some way, which is fine because I love him, but uh, his point was that this could be an operation to get all of us down the wrong path the same way that they're getting all of them down the wrong path. That could totally be possible. I don't believe that even if that was the intent, that that was the result, okay? Because what we have been forced to do is to construct new information infrastructure. And whatever came from that movement has helped to do that. Is it possible that anyone's reliance on that stuff might have made them complacent and filled them with the belief that all of these things would be revealed and then they won't be revealed? Well, yeah, right now, right now, this moment, that is possible. The future is open to changing. There is a lot there to be declassified. If Trump doesn't do it, then that's on Trump. And by virtue of that, then that's on us for thinking that Trump would get that done. But in the construction of a new information infrastructure, we have been led to, and I don't mean we like the QAnon community. I mean, because I don't consider myself part of it. I look at it. I want to know what it says. I want to understand it just like I want to understand everything else. But the, the counter narrative group, let's say that Q is part of the counter narrative just the same way. Breitbart is, or I don't know, list any of the other outlets. Who cares? This isn't a, it's not a contest, man. I don't have to list all the spots. Okay. So what that counter narrative did in particular was get people to focus on certain individuals and certain actions to learn about the military, about the constitution, about all of these processes that we are witnessing take place that has enabled us to have more information than the opposition. Now, some of it might be wrong. Some of it might be batshit crazy. And yes, there is a possibility that all of that has been misleading, but a lot of it has not. And to the extent to which we have been focused on all of these things we would have never been focused on, just looking at the central narrative, that is nothing but a good thing. Like, there are real questions to be answered. Burisma, Uranium One, Gina Haspel, Christopher ray all of these people who were subjects of the Q narrative We know way more about them than we would have otherwise without that. Because the thing that people keep forgetting is that Q is not just only about Q. Q is an impetus for people online to spend their time researching and then communicating what they find. And that is invaluable. And now people have formed habits around collecting and disseminating information, and that's important. That enables us to replace the news and understand what's going on outside of the central narrative. To the extent to which that inevitably creates two diverging realities, that's difficult and problematic. And something that is going to take a long time to unwind and resolve. But I don't believe that we were better with just this one narrative. And then people trying to understand that the best they could. I mean, that's what I did in 2015 and 2016. And that caused me to vote for Hillary Clinton. That is a failing on my part that I don't wish to repeat. Have I repeated it? Maybe don't think so because at the end of the day, right is right. Okay. What has happened in this country to this country's citizens by a specific group in power and the most powerful institutions in our country is undeniable. California is just about to finish month 10 of some version of COVID lockdown. That's madness. The Democrat Party just stole an election. That's madness. Now, there's a recent statement from Defense Secretary Chris Miller saying that they will act according to their oath and... Conduct an orderly transition to president elect Biden. That's fine. Wouldn't expect him to say anything else. He's doing his job. I can't say anything more about this. Like we are too caught up in speculation. And by the way, I enjoy speculating. I want to consider how things might turn out and hopefully they turn out in my best case scenario. I would love that, but that's not always what happens as always. There is still so much to play out, and so much that we don't know, and so much happening behind the scenes that we cannot be aware of. Like right now, there's speculation that Trump took a plane that is not Air Force One. It's like a uh, aerial command center down to the military command center in Abilene, Texas. Is that true? Fucking maybe. You know, people take pictures. It it looks legitimate. Is it? We can't know. Until there is firm proof of anything, you can't know. You have to view things and say, huh, that's possible. Gonna try to understand it, keep it in the back of my head as something that's possible. Is it possible that 81 million people turned up and voted for Joe Biden? Well, no. Unless we count dead people. Underage people, people who voted twice, ballots that have absolutely no chain of custody, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of ballots with no chain of custody picked up in Mark Zuckerberg's drop boxes, trucked in late at night, added to the total whenever they needed. Better stop counting. Better stop counting in Georgia two elections straight. Those events still exist regardless of the narrative. These events happening now still exist regardless of the narrative. We can all still have hope. If our hopes aren't fulfilled, then we need to set new goals and work toward those. But there's no time at which this election will be legitimate. Okay? I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator.